Hey there, we're so glad you tuned in today. We would love to hear how God is using this podcast to encourage you. You can do so by visiting our website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to Freedom. I love the truth that God demonstrated his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I'm going to be grateful for that truth today. That while we were sinners, Christ died for us. As Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, this game-changing moment really must have hit home for many of the disciples. If you think about it, They were following him for years, following him for years and having an expectation level. Thinking thinking about that, how publicly he had taken that moment. He was often a private person. He was often a private individual in a lot of ways. But this moment, everything changed. And so when we look at all that Jesus did as he rode into Jerusalem triumphantly, A lot of people pictured it differently. A lot of people probably pictured him on a horse with armor and a sword delivering the people of Israel from who? The bad guy, Rome, who at the time was oppressing the people of Israel. But one thing happened when he rode into Jerusalem that day. One thing happened when he rode into Jerusalem, and that was this. When he rode into Jerusalem, he was not on a horse. He did not have a sword. Guess what? Rome was still in power. What happens when we think to ourselves, my deliverer isn't delivering? But I want to tell you that God had rescue in his mentality the entire time. The mentality was he wanted to rescue you oftentimes from you. How many realize he needs to rescue us from us sometimes? This entry into Jerusalem was, it was an unexpected one the way it, the way it panned out. It's his way, not our way. He entered into Jerusalem triumphantly. Yes, he did, but in his own eyes, not ours. So the humble, much less powerful animal, we're looking at a donkey here. We're looking at this donkey saying, what happened to this triumphal moment? What happened to this moment that we thought was supposed to be liberating, that we thought was supposed to be us being ripped away from Roman's clutch? You ever felt like you were going to be pulled away from something and yet you're still there in the same circumstance, same situation, same moment. But I realized shortly thereafter there's no change in the outward, but God wants to work in me. How many of you felt like that before? God wants to work in me. Matthew 21 tells us this. Matthew 21 tells us in this message entitled, Paid in full. Here's what he says. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted 
on a donkey, on a colt. The foil of a beast of burden. Listen, this whole donkey situation was planned out by God. It's no surprise. There's no gotcha. This is God saying, you have your way, let me do mine. And let me liberate Israel exactly the way I want to liberate Israel. Who's with me? So when we talk about the cross, you can't talk about the cross before you talk about the palm. The palm was that moment when everything was okay. The cross is a symbol of the time that things are not so okay. The man I thought that I was following for so many years is now being taken captive. He's being beaten as we speak. And he's going to be tried for crimes that can take his life. Friend, the prophecies were all there. Jesus was just walking in them. Zechariah and Isaiah both prophesied that he would be riding into Jerusalem, that he would be taking that moment. But nobody, and nobody understood what that looked like. You see, how many of you have heard of the story of Lazarus being raised from the dead? Right? We look at a story like that. Jesus had become a celebrity of some sorts, a celebrity of, of this. And so when he came to that moment, because we're going to transition, this message has kind of two faces of it. We have the Palm Sunday, that Palm approach that led to the cross. But before we get to the cross, you have to get through the Palm. And here, everything was looking good. Everything was looking fantastic. Here, my brother died, said Mary and Martha. And Jesus came and resurrected him. All is good in the land of Lazarus, right? Lazarus, come forth. Things are better when God resurrects things, yes? Things are better when God resurrects things. So everything's going great. Jesus is about to ride into Jerusalem and he's on a donkey and they're thinking, a donkey? Okay, fine. They're not sure what's going on, but at least he's riding. Right? He's coming into Jerusalem. Now we're going we're gonna to get all the liberations we were looking for. And God says, wait, hold on. Hold your horses. <laughs> That's not exactly where that term comes from, but we all in some respect have to hold our horses and let God plan out and flesh out his plan accordingly. So Jesus arrived in Jerusalem that day and they laid the palms at his feet and they celebrated him. But it wasn't very long before that celebration went from palms to pain. When that palm was laid down, he walked across it and Jesus' glory to some degree was short-lived because but a few days later he would be betrayed by one of his own. And let's not judge too many people in Scripture because I would probably venture out and say that you've probably seen Scripture as a mirror more than a book sometimes in your life. Have you ever looked at Scripture and go, wow, that person really messed up? How many have ever done that before? And rightfully so, right? That person really messed up. But guess what? I've oftentimes looked at scripture also and go, wow, that's a lot like me. I've really messed up. 
because it oftentimes reflects as a mirror. And Isaiah 53 tells us a little bit of this mirror of what's about to transition. And here's what it says. Who has believed our message, Isaiah writes, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of the dry ground. He has no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. In other words, he was plain. He was normal. He was like everybody else, a carpenter maybe. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind. Now this is Isaiah. We're talking hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus walked the earth. Isaiah is prophesying and he's saying, he was despised and rejected. He's seen by, by the knowledge of the Spirit. He's seen that he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering. And not only that, familiar with pain. Anybody familiar with pain? Like one whom people hide their faces, he was despised. And, he, and we held him in low esteem. Let's continue on. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Now we're leading to the cross. We've moved on from the palms. We're moving to the cross now, friends. We're talking about the man that was cheered is now the man that is jeered. He bore our suffering, and yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, and the punishment that brought us peace was on him. I can't, I can't wrap my mind around the fact that Jesus died for me, and sometimes, even then, how many years I've known the Lord, it still blows my mind that he would take that for me. He was pierced for my transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was upon him? What? But guess what? By his stripes, friends, we are healed. We are healed. And we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Raise your hand if you've gone astray one time or ten. Right? Doesn't matter. We've all gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way and the Lord has laid upon him, him being who? Jesus. The iniquity of us all. He's paying the price for our wrong. That's not, that's not an easy task. And then it goes on to say this. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Yet he was like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. I want you to note something that when Jesus was on that cross, he said the words, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I don't believe that Jesus himself, within himself, believed that he had been forsaken, but he was taken on all of our feelings, all of our pain, everything that we feel and know on everyday life, all of our sin and all of our feelings. And I think that was just a picture of what we all feel from time to time. 
It's what we all feel. And so, why is Palm Sunday, why leading to the cross, why is this a big deal? Well, something bigger was about to happen to mankind on that day. It started on that day, and it leads us to today. Ministry has shown me a lot of things. Friend, look at me for a moment. I need you to hear me. And this is a very real truth that, I, that I, even as I was preparing this message, I don't know, it just came to me this way, and I think this way. Sin reveals, the devil reminds, the cross rescues. That's the natural process of life. Sin reveals the ugly parts of us that we don't want anyone to know about. The devil reminds us of all the things we don't want to try to remember. The cross, my friend, rescues us. The cross and that moment that you just saw, more specifically, Christ rescues us. But you understand what I mean symbolically. The cross rescues us. So why did Jesus need to die? Three quick reasons. Are you ready? Number one, God desired it. God desired that there would be an atonement for our sin. God desired perfect love to remain between him and us, us and him. He wanted that back. He wanted to know that, no, I don't want to force you to love me. If you've ever been forced, how many have ever been forced to say sorry when you were a kid? And some of us, even as parents, we do it. Say you're sorry. And they say what we think is sorry, right? Or at least we want to make it feel better. So we say, say you're sorry. Sorry. Well, good. All is well now. But in reality, you know in the back of your mind, they're probably not as sorry as their words declare, right? Look at this for a moment. Is it possible? Is it possible that God says, I will allow you to have free reign, even understanding that that's going to lead to sin. But I will allow you to be free, free enough to choose me or reject me. Friend, that's love. That God will give you the opportunity to love him or reject him. Even with how much he loves you, the possibility that you would reject him, that's how much he loves you. So we understand that God desired it. He wants to reveal his perfect love. Love your neighbor. I tell you, love your enemies. This is what Matthew tells us, right? Love your neighbor. Love your enemies. Love, love, love. That's your job, to love. God desired for us to love him again. But not only that, he wants to love his creation the way he intended to. And with that comes, he wants, he wants to give his son that glory, that moment that understanding that we all need the Son of God. How many know that without the Son of God, we are lost in our sin? God desired that only He would be lifted up. Luke 24, 26 says, Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into His glory? His glory is why you exist. Look at me for a moment. Your life exists to bring glory to Him. 
Your purpose in life is to bring glory to God. If there's anything else you find that you think is your purpose, if it doesn't line up with bringing him glory, it's not your God-given purpose. If what you think you're supposed to do with the rest of your life doesn't find its way to God in some way or help somebody to God in some way or bring Jesus or lift him up, then you know what? It's not God because everything that he's put in you directs you to him. Everything you do directs you to him. And the pain that you go through, the struggle that you endure, all that is for a reason. It'll make you stronger as you go through the process. And you don't want to hear that, right? Everything you go through makes you stronger. You're like, well, don't trust me that much, God. Or don't use me that much then, because I don't want to go through pain. Well, God desired that Jesus would die so that you would have life more abundantly and restore you to himself. So here's my second thought. Sin necessitated it. Let's understand something. Sin is real and it is damaging. Sin is real and it is damaging. And there is a strong need in our day to come to the fresh understanding that no person in this room is without sin. Not a single one of us, us. Not a single one of us. The Bible is very specific about the effects of sin. And there was a very real need to address that. And sin is as bad as the Bible says it is. Friend, sin is as bad as the Bible says it is. God wasn't playing games when he gave his only son. And he allowed his son to be crucified. Sin is as bad as God says it is with the eternal consequences. Every bit as horrible as God describes it. Sin is so serious to the mind of God that he was willing to take his own son and put him in this position. In fact, I'll go a step further. Jesus said, no man takes my life. I lay it down myself. We must never forget that in order to take the son at his word, you have to take him at the cross. That cross was his eternal sign of love for you and for me today. Sin called out, there must be payment. And someone owes. Sin called out a debt that we could not pay. Sin necessitated the need of a savior. And that brings us to the cross. The old rugged cross. Not the pretty lit up crosses that we see. Not the nice little symbols that some of us carry in our necklaces or chains, but the old rugged cross in which our Savior hung and died. Friend, that old rugged cross saved you and me from eternal hell. And that same cross is the one that we cling to for hope today. Yes? So God intends to deal with sin radically. And so he radically allowed his son to die for you. Every sin in life needs to be dealt with. And Jesus said, listen, I don't want to deal with one because you realize that even in the Old Testament, when they slaughtered a lamb, that was for that sin that they were in. They couldn't for sin offering, right? You can't like, for the sin I'm going to commit next week. And that's not how it worked. That lamb was sacrificed for the sin that is on my account right now. 
No, no future sin. But everything that's on my account right now. But the problem is, is that we enter into debt again and again and again, and sin called us out. But guess what? Guilt is oftentimes the way that the world tries to deal with sin. Oh, I feel so guilty. Don't feel guilty. Understand the difference between guilt and, and conviction. Guilt is the enemy's way of holding you down. Conviction is God's way of picking you up and setting you free. He wants to set you free today. He doesn't want you to walk in sin, but sin has to be dealt with. And he's saying to you, you don't have to die on a cross. I already paid that debt. Just receive it. Just receive it. So are there sins that he will choose to simply wink at and go, ah, that's not that important? In short, no. When you gave your only son, there's no sin that you would wink at and say that's not that important. I know I look at my kids and I look at sometimes when they do something, I think, oh, that's not a terribly big deal. Or I told them to clean their room and they really didn't clean their room. Or I told them to do this and they really didn't do that. Sometimes you have to pick and choose your battles, right? As a parent. God doesn't do that with sin. It's that damaging. He doesn't pick and choose, ah, oh, that's a little sin. Oh, that's a big sin. Oh, that's a big, that one's a bad one. God doesn't do that. Sin, look at me, sin is sin, is sin. God dealt with it though. He dealt with it. And so that grace and that love in which he deals with it, deals with it he come, and that same grace comes to you today. And I realize that as we look at Hebrews, he does so with grace and love and he says this, otherwise Christ would have to suffer many times. You realize that when the lamb was, 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 was sacrificed, that was just for that sin. Jesus said, no, 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 I'm not going to die multiple times. I'm going to die once and for all. Hebrews tells us otherwise Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But he's appeared once for all the culmination of the ages. 926. To do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. That is what Jesus did for you. And that death makes us righteous. 2 Corinthians 5.21 tells us God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. Friends, let's not get it twisted here. I'm cool with chocolate and eggs. I'm very cool with it. It's all right. I don't think Jesus is threatened by it either. But at the end of the day, Easter's about Jesus. At the end of the day, Easter's about Jesus and his resurrection. Well, not only this, listen, not only did God desire it, sin necessitated it, but hope required it. In order for you to have hope, friend, in order for you to have hope, you have to have Christ at the center of it all. Friend, no matter where you are in your walk of life, there's a real reality that hope is available to everyone. If you're in this room this morning and you're saying to yourself, his crucifixion was for those people that did real bad things, I dare to say to you today, his crucifixion was for us all, all of us.
And there was one thing that we can be redeemed and rescued by, and that's Jesus Christ. Because of that empty tomb, we have hope. Because of the resurrection, we have hope. Because during our most troubled times, and because he has never stopped being Lord, we have hope. So watch this. 1 Peter 1.3 says, Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who in great mercy has given to us new birth, a living hope. We have a living hope in Jesus today. I want us to look at something. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, we look at this. Set your hope on him. If your hope is in man, change it. Set your hope on him. First Peter tells us that. But the one verse I want to begin to put this in a capsule for you is that First Peter 3.15. If you're writing down a passage of scripture, this would be one to do so with. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. I'm reading out of the New American Standard Bible. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. For the hope that is in you. Yet with gentleness and reverence. Friends, the death of Jesus Christ is very real. And each of us in this season that we're in right now have a choice to look at the cross or look away. To, to imagine ourselves having to pay that debt that we could never pay. You ever had a debt that you couldn't pay and someone helped you out? This, my friend, is the eternal debt that no one could ever pay for you. And so what we look at is Simply this, hope required it, but understand something, true love is activated when you allow your debt to be paid in full. You want to know what true love looks like? When you have allowed your debt to be paid in full. So as we go to prayer here in just a moment, let me ask you a question. When we look at the debt of our sin being paid by Jesus Christ, when we look at the possibility that there is no hope outside of Jesus, do you feel hopeless, helpless, or hopeful? Because looking at Jesus, he's all the hope we need. He's hope personified. Somebody say amen. He's hope personified. Everything we've ever needed to pay. Listen, the disciples walked with Jesus. The disciples walked with Jesus. And when they walked with Jesus, they, they saw miracle after miracle. Person after person being touched and healed. And then they saw him beaten. And then they saw him crucified. And then we think to ourselves, what has changed? I'm here to tell you, nothing has changed. God is on course. Everything he's worked out is so that you would know him. So if you're here today and you don't know the Savior, if you're here this morning and you understand the need for a Savior, without Christ there is 
no hope. So today, are you willing to put your hope in him? Lord Jesus, I'm asking you right now, in this room, would you give us the opportunity to know you as Savior and Lord? Would you give us the chance to celebrate you and what you did for us? But Lord, there's not a single one of us that can do this on our own. There's not a single one that can fathom the depths of your love or pay this debt where we are in need of a Savior, yet some of us in this room may not feel worthy. I'm asking you today, God, help us to recognize you in everything that we do. Father God, I pray in Jesus' name, receive us to yourself.